Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 10 of the Stato Joe podcast, hosted by me, Stato Joe, and the enigma, Luke Sherwin. Hello, Luke. Hello. What a joy it is to be here. It's lovely as always. Thanks for having me on, Joe. <laughs> Excited to chat some more football today. 10 episodes already in a month. 10 episodes in a month. How is that? That's a lot of content for everyone. Uh, so, we hope you're enjoying so far. Um, it's the first major milestone for us, so we will uh, endeavour to continue with our upload schedule. Um, how's tricks? How's this weekend been? Unlike, unlike the fact when somebody scores a hat trick on FIFA, this has been ten of the best. best. We don't make you pay. No, this is free content that you free get. Content. Bonus content as well. My week's been good. To, uh, since Thursday or since Wednesday, yeah, uh, pretty there. chill. Sparked away, went home for youth club, which was really good this week, and then played football on Saturday and had a pretty chill Saturday after that. Just saw a few friends, watched Eurovision, which is always a delight. Loved it, loved Eurovision. <laughs> Should have done a whole podcast on Eurovision and who was the mm. favorite. Um, I don't think Italy will do quite as well at the Euros, but you never know. Uh, if, yeah, I don't know. They could pull through. Uh, but yeah, good good week so far, um, or good end of my week. Hopefully this next week is just as good. What about you, Jim? I think I just studied. I was just trying to think if I did anything exciting on Thursday or Friday. Living the dream. Yeah, studying football on Saturday. Suffered, you know, a potential career-fetting injury um, on Saturday, which was sad. It did come as a result of running the length of the pitch and scoring, but that's, you know, humble brag there, humble brag. Um, saw my mum and dad for dinner on Saturday night, which was lovely. Watched Eurovision. Uh, all I can say is I went to bed with a smile on my face whenever Switzerland didn't win. So yes. that was good positives, good positives. Um, I'd never like someone who thinks they're going to win, who clearly... Like, whatever they had done the jury votes, and he was top. Even as we interviewed, he was so smarmy. He, he kind of felt like he was going to win, you know. It was, just, it, it was nice to see him be taken down from his high horse. But, yeah, apart from that, really not much. Um, it's been one of those more mind-numbing weeks. Only two of them to go, and then I'm kind of free from that, and I can enjoy everything all a bit more. But, yeah. Um Obviously, today was the end of the Premier League season, so we're we're kind of approaching the the questions of you know we're, we'll probably we'll probably do a Premier League team of the season podcast after the European finals. Um, but I just want to Mikey asked a, a great question. Um, who was on the podcast on Wednesday, and he he asks uh, who has been your surprise team and player of the season. So I think what he means there is who has been your surprise team of the season and who has been your surprise player of the season look i let you take that first and then i'll probably just copy your answers so i don't have to think about any answers great well i'll just pick one surprise of the season for me and it's a weird one actually because i should highlight a few names. everton aston villa and southampton all started the season really well mm-hmm. and if they had kept that going i would have said any of them would have been surprises to finish well, but they've all dipped off after Christmas as I kind of expected them to. Um, in terms of other surprises, I think Sheffield United were a surprise because mm-hmm. 
last season they were so great. Yeah, they played like a team that was united, and I don't know what happened there. And um, but my surprise, I think, is Wolves. I think Wolves are my surprise team of the season. I think they were far worse this season than they should have been. Yeah, um, I know I follow a few different Wolves fans on Twitter. And all season, they've been a bit confused. I think injuries to key players at key times hasn't been great for them. But tactically, they just haven't looked as as like, clued in this season. Mm. Raul Jimenez is a big miss. I'm on record several times as saying I hate Adama Traore. And he's useless without Raul Jimenez. Um, and I think that was proved this season. And that was their go-to all of last season. So I think Wolves have been my surprise. I wouldn't be surprised to see a few of their players leave. Um, like Ruben Neves, I think he's phenomenal. I think he should go probably in the summer. Connor Cody could do a job somewhere. Like Connor, Connor Cody would be great at Arsenal. Mm. He'd be really yeah, great at Arsenal. Um, yeah. Or really great at Tottenham um, alongside Alderweireld or alongside, yeah, as long as Eric Dyer is nowhere near the team. Something like that. Um, yeah, that's my surprise team. What's your surprise team, Joe? Mine's probably too obvious. Like West Ham's the obvious kind of shout. Yeah. Because they were, you know, were they, they were in a kind of a relegation, kind of threatening position last season. Yeah. Um, and they don't have a great squad. Like you would looking at the squad on paper, you're not going, oh, that's a Europe, that's a Europa League squad. You know, you're not. That's. Um, but that's kind of been the trend in the Premier League recently. You know, the last few seasons. There is there always tends to be a bit of a surprise in those Europa League places, you know. I'm sure Wolves were there at one stage. Um and obviously, like for me, even though Leicester have consistently been up at the top, anytime they're in any European competition, it feels a bit strange. So like that's the Europa League places always some well not always, but they do tend to sometimes get one of those kind of surprise teams in there that we're we kind of weren't expecting. So I think the obvious one for me is West Ham. They've had an outstanding season. Um Obviously, in the end, maybe we'll look back. Well, you know, I think some fans might look back and at some of the results and think we really could have got Champions League this season, um, just with a couple of results that did go their way. But I don't think you can discredit them at all for finishing sixth. I think that's an unbelievable performance from them. David Boyes doing what he did at Everton uh, yeah. back in the day. So I think I, I think that's the obvious surprise. He's done well. Um, he has done well, very and well. Is there anybody do? Is there anybody then, maybe for West Ham or for another team that has surprised you this season by how good they've been? I mean, another, another, another obvious one has been Jesse Lingard. Yeah. Has kind of had a bit of a resurgence this season. I think I think the way I'm going to do this is kind of name a few names and put them out there because I think there's quite a few surprises. I think if he'd continued his run of form, the obvious one would have been Calvert-Lewin because obviously he had an unbelievable start to the season, but then has yeah. kind of fallen away. I think recently Dean Henderson's done quite well. I think it seems surprising he's played and he's done quite well at United. Um, who else? I think, without being, I'm not, I'm not, I don't mean to be biased, but I think Joe Willock from February onwards is that a very, yeah, like, is that, that, that's a big surprise. Saka, for me, maybe is the, the biggest candidate for surprise player of the season or like one of the best surprises because I think he's been one of Arsenal's best players. Um, I would agree, but I don't, I kind of expected that from him. I don't think I, I don't know if I did to be honest. Um, and then if we're going to go the other way, like surprise per performances, um, Aubameyang didn't have a great season really. No. Um, like 
pretty much all of Sheffield United's team went from a great team to like a very obvious, obviously like championship level team. Yeah. And that was like that was a surprise collectively for me as like a group of players. Um and I don't think of anyone else. I'll leave some for you, sure. I'll leave some for you. You can Thanks, Thanks. what are your um, who do you think? Yeah, so my my winner of surprise yeah. player of the year is Ilkay Gundogan. Gundogan. Mm. Uh, I think he Gundogan's been so good this season, mm. and I never expected him to be the city player who almost carried them to their 17 victories in a row or whatever that was to break the record. I didn't expect that from him at all, but the number of goals he was scoring, the consistency he was showing, I think he proved this season that he's world-class, and that was unexpected in my eyes because I fully expected him probably to be on the bench most of the time, but he forced his mm. way in. And yep. so I think Gundogan is a genuine contender for player of the season in a surprise sense. Great shot. Even John Stones, actually. Yeah. I, I didn't even think of City. I didn't even think, because, do you know, I, I just think of City and go, oh, they're class. So, like, not a surprise. But actually, even Ruben Diaz, he, I think he was named, was he named player of the season? He got um, um, one of the players or whatever, team writers or whatever. All right, yeah. So, you know, there's, there's City have had a couple of surprises in their team themselves. But um, that's a preview into kind of, what we'll be talking about in a couple of weeks time when we talk about kind of our team of the season and our kind of year or kind of like picture of the whole season in general um this podcast tonight for you guys is going to be all about the final day a very very exciting day actually we watched two of us we managed to have um the lesser spurs game the aston villa chelsea game and the liverpool crystal palace game on and it was it was nuts the way it was going speaking about so I'm about to hand you over to the live version, and this time we haven't recorded the show but when we're recording this. We're still waiting to do that. Um, Surely that's as much you... of a spoiler. Surely that's, that's as much as a spoiler much. as me. as much of a spoiler, but what I can guarantee is it will be fantastic. It always is. Um, so sit back, relax, and enjoy our review of the final day of the Premier League season, and we will speak to you all in the outro portion of the show. See you then. That was great, wasn't it? The the drama, the excitement, um, the fans being back, and the atmosphere at those games. Because we we watched full disclosure to everybody watching, we are listening. We only watched because you can't watch ten games at the same time unless you're a BBC. So we watched Liverpool versus Crystal Palace, Chelsea versus Aston Villa. Sorry, Aston Villa versus Chelsea, I should say, and Leicester versus Tottenham. So we watched the top four race. Really the only thing that needed to be decided, apart from the Europa Conference League. Um, and it was wild, wasn't it? It was wild. It was. And that's the main topic of discussion for today for us, is mm -hmm. this top four race. The title was decided. Second place was, pretty, was decided as well. Relegation was all confirmed. And so up for grabs today were European places. Mm -hmm. So we had top four race, which 
It was a lot more interesting than I think a lot of people expected it to be going into today. I think if you had a, a month ago said that this would be an exciting top four race and we're unsure of who's going to finish in it, uh, I would have said no, unlikely. But we saw three teams actually competing to try and get in the top four, and that was nice mm -hmm. because it gave today stakes and it made today enjoyable to watch. We saw three games all actually, you know, had goals in them, which was nice. Mm -hmm. A good few goals. All the teams went for it, especially like Leicester Tottenham, another big game that actually delivered in terms of quality with a lot of goals coming through. And um, yeah, a good a good day all around for the top four race. And we finished yeah. the end of the day with Chelsea and with Liverpool in the top four with poor Leicester City dropping out in the fifth place. Oh. Joe, how are you feeling? I'm gutted. I'm gutted. I wanted Leicester to get top four. Um, you know, of the, they, they are the team in the Premier League this season who have been in the top four for the longest period of time this season. So they've spent 242 days in the top four, uh, which is the most of any of the teams. That's including United and City. Um, yeah, it's gotten like I feel. I feel gutted for them. I really do. Um, ultimately. Results against, you know, the result against Newcastle really hurt them. The result today hurt them. The result against Chelsea during the week hurt them. You know, they did struggle towards the end of the season, had those nerves. And I think ultimately that coupled with Liverpool's fantastic form in their last 10 games is what has ultimately meant that they've uh, dropped out of the top four at the, the, the very last stage. Obviously, they were fifth coming into today's game, but. Um, up until about ten minutes to go, they were looking like they were going going to the Champions League, and then Gareth Bale shows up with two pretty poor goals, and uh, there you have it, folks: Liverpool and Chelsea in the top four. Absolutely. So going into today, we had that scenario in place. We had Liverpool and Chelsea in the top four. They were the ones going into today who were there. Chelsea on 67 points, Liverpool on 66 points, with a greater goal difference than Leicester, who were also on 66 points. Mm. And so it was an interesting one because there were countless different scenarios that could happen that would leave different teams in different positions. So what transpired? Effectively, we can look at Chelsea to start with because they were third at the start of the mm -hmm. day. They yep. were the ones that I think most people looked at and said, realistically, Chelsea will probably get a top four. You know, yep. they're one point ahead than the other two. Surely they'll get top four. Chelsea went into today's game against Aston Villa, a team that, you know, Aston Villa have been okay this season. They yeah. started off really, really well. They looked like they were doing well. Jack Grealish was doing bits. Jack Grealish got injured <laughs> and their season changed. So, yeah. Joe... What on earth then happened today with Villa and Chelsea? It's a weird one. I was just looking quickly. Chelsea had 23 shots at goal and had more shots on target than Villa had total shots. Um, just not really not great defensively overall um, from Chelsea today. So we, we had it on and obviously you're flicking between so you don't quite grasp what happens and, and see everything. But their, Villa's first goal was uh, a miss hit essentially into the top corner. I mean, it looked great, to be fair, and, and then Mandy wrecked himself off the post. Then there was a penalty, 
which was a silly challenge, really. And I think it was a penalty overall. And then Chelsea then, for the last half an hour, just battered Villa. They just were going for it. There was, you know, a bit of heated moments. Aspel Quetta being sent off for punching Grealish in the face, I think. Um, basically, he got sent off for that. Um, and they kept knocking at the door. You know, they kept knocking at the door. They were pressing them. Um, you know, they, they were just so many shots. Like, of their 23 shots, 14 of those were in the second half. Um, mm. So they really were... And Villa only managed one shot. That was the penalty um, in the second half. So, really, Chelsea dominated the game, even stats-wise. They had over 70% possession, more corners, um, a lot yeah. more passes than Villa. You know, like, everything in that, you can see, if you, if you look at the stats, it's just, like, everything is Chelsea-dominated. But I think it, it was is. one of those games. It was nerves. I think it was nerves. The, and nerves and excitement, I think, was what got the better of them today. Well, it's a classic case of Chelsea when they haven't been able to win this season uh, under Tuchel. In the last few games, we've seen a different kind of Chelsea team that's dominated as per, but yet hasn't been able to get the job done and defensively has looked more fragile. Why is this? I'm not 100% sure, but I do ask the question of why both Reese James and Cesar Azpilicueta to play. Why do those two start in this game? Why do you not just start with the centre-back like Kurt Zuma? At right at uh, the right side of the three at the back i'm not too sure but one of the main differences i think today and probably will be in the champions league final is kante mm. <laughs> kante being injured is massive for yep. chelsea because you know Jorginho is there and he does a job he passes he's he's fine at that billy gilmore is probably more similar to Jorginho than he would be to kante mm -hmm. and mateo kovacic no harm to him is not anything like Kante in terms of quality, what his influence on the pitch, you know, his just his general nature as a player. Today had a, a really poor game, Kovacic, countless bad challenges, not good, just passing wasn't um, like up to, up to scratch. And the front three for Chelsea didn't look great either. Timo Werner, offside as always. Played <laughs> all right. Offside. <laughs> Mason Mount and Pulisic didn't have good games. Kai Havertz came on and played badly. Not even that he had an okay game. Played badly. Um, Mikey, lovely to see. Thanks for good joining. Evening, good evening. Um, but yeah, Chelsea just couldn't get it done. And Villa, Villa, I think, were lucky to get anything from this game in one oh, absolutely, 100%. You're so right, 100%. Because the goal... So Andy, my housemate, you know, was was present and he was like, oh, great finish, top corner. And I was like, I know you're joking, but it triggers me still, you know, because it was such a terrible hit. Oh, Brilliantly worked. You've got yeah. to give them credit. Well, you well yeah, yeah, yeah. Training ground. Um, and they've they've hit the ball in. Traore's got in the right position. But, you know, Traore does Traore things and hits the ball <laughs> averagely. Um, and so it goes in and then they get a penalty, which probably was a penalty, but, like, very fortunate. Chelsea get a goal yeah. back. Which is, you know, good for them, but just too little, too late, couldn't get the job done. And ultimately, for them, thankfully, it didn't matter um, because then we. I mean, I think logically, the next best place to talk about is the Leicester game because the Leicester game dictated what happened throughout this this afternoon because Leicester were the team that were chasing, um, so. I think I would recommend anybody, even if you've watched the football today, make sure and watch match of the day if you can, because 
they'll do it like what they'll do is they'll play they'll do highlights from the three games and they'll kind of overlap them so they'll kind of move between the games and show highlights as they happen um so i think definitely well worth watching if you want to get the full picture of what happened today um but yeah uh good evening josh hope you're well welcome i'm sure you're delighted after uh liverpool's result today welcome on in um but anyway we traveled to the king power stadium um great i just want to highlight quickly that all the fans who arrived were given a, a free drink and a free brownie and a free like banner clapper from the owners which you do love to see we you talked about before look about you talked last week about how the leicester owners um show a positive side to owning football clubs after the whole super league stuff so that was really cool but anyway they went yeah. to this game knowing that they realistically had to win um against tottenham to get to secure top four and even then it was they had to have results go in their favor um they opted to go two up front look do you think that was a mistake in the end always all we've said it countless times over the last few weeks <laughs> leicester don't play well with two up top and in yeah. this game despite the fact they were two one up at one stage they never really looked like they were going to hold on they mm. never really played particularly well they scored two goals from penalties both goals were penalties yeah. yes they count they absolutely do but when you lose 4-2 in the end because you can't score any other way penalties are not a great way to go no two up top didn't work Ihinacho, he just looks so off the pace at the moment i don't know what's happened to him uh, i don't know if it's you know he's just got insomnia these days and can't sleep he looks sluggish he just can't get it done jimmy vardy scored twice but didn't play well i don't think like he got a, he, he did okay to get the penalties the first one was was soft <laughs> the second both one, arguably both arguably were soft yeah the second one wasn't really much better they're both penalties but they're both soft penalties you know like yeah. That's, yeah absolutely but and again lesser probably could have held out for a draw but mm. sadly for them casper schmeichel had one of the worst games i think i've ever seen him oh. play he really was not good i don't know what happened to him he bottled it today i don't think brandon rogers bottled it today i think casper schmeichel bottled it today a well 5. a 5.4 rating there from casper schmeichel by the way so i think he might have bottled it a little bit brandon rogers today by yeah. playing to front. like he has not been playing well why would you not also mark albrighton shouldn't have been playing ricardo pereira should have been playing <laughs> at right back why not play ricardo pereira why not have dennis pratt and ioc perez start mm. um no well maybe just one of them eat pratt or perez instead of a hinacho give it a go with one striker um <laughs> yeah i i think i think brendan he he made that mistake today Josh, you have told us before that Bren's a bottler, but and I agree, and I and I and I've said it. I, I think he is a bit of a bottler at times. Like I, I do agree with you, Josh. I think I, I was really happy for him when they won the FA Cup because I thought that's a big deal. He's finally been successful. As in, he's he's a, you can't deny that Leicester realistically are overachieving with the squad they have, right? But I think that unfortunately now that's two seasons in a row where they've bottled top four on the last day of the season essentially um yeah and and the players look nervous like watching the game you know spurs probably i mean i think maybe a 2-2 would have made more sense to me just watching the game um but you know harry kane he scored the first goal getting him the golden boot so congr congratulations to him uh stunning a, a great goal actually as well 
as you said time and time again, look today, you're like, that's behind him. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Tottenham did well. Yeah. Tottenham did really well. And Brian Mason deserves zero credit whatsoever because all he's <laughs> all he's done, all he's done is told this Tottenham team to go out and play football. Yeah. Something Mourinho should have done, but but didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't tell him at all to go out and play. He told him to sit back and try and score in the counter. Whereas Ryan Mason said, oh, shackles, let's get rid of them. Play some football. And that's what they did today. <laughs> they they were terribly def- they were terrible defensively, as they always mm-hmm. are. But going forward, they have exceptional players. If this was Harry Kane's last game in a Tottenham shirt, and if this was Gareth Bale's last game in a Tottenham shirt, you know, nice for them. Nice for Fair Tottenham play. fans. Fair play. Happy yeah. days. They've done well there. Mm-hmm. But in general, Tottenham an average team at the moment really average a couple of average players you know surrounded by a few bad players with mm-hmm. a couple of world-class players and uh, tottenham got the result and yeah grounded out yeah yeah that's probably fair i think i always felt if lesser win this game 2-1 haven't scored two penalties because it was 2-1 like Questions will be asked because they'll only yeah. have scored their goals from penalties. You know, they won't have scored from open play. Um, but, you know, Spurs had just went on, took advantage at the end of, of the fact that Leicester had to go for the game, which was always going to happen. I think once, once it got 2-2, Leicester couldn't afford the draw. So they had to go for it. Um, and Spurs were always probably going to pick them off then. They put the players to do that. Um, yeah. And I know they're not a great team, but they do have the players to do that, and and that's ultimately what happened at the end with uh, Bale's second goal, anyway. Yeah, and t- today's a prime example of that phrase that they they sometimes use in football punditry of attacks win games, but defenses win championships. Yeah, and that's what happened. Um, that's what happened today because you know Tottenham have an unbelievable attack that on its day is better than nobody else, but defensively. Really, really poor. If Kane goes, could lead to an exodus, Mikey says here in the chat. And I think you're right. Yeah, I if Kane leaves, the heads drop. All of the heads drop. If Gareth Bale then goes back, you know, <laughs> the heads drop. Cream always rises to the top. Um, in relation to and to the top of the league, maybe. Uh, no, uh, it's, it's Tottenham, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I think if Kane leaves and, and Gareth Bale leave, Deli Alley's going to look around and think, why am I here? I think you might why? do that anyway. I think you might do I, that anyway. I think you might, especially if he's, you know, getting with Pep Stoller, he might just head over there. Um, but Son as well, will that if, if Kane leaves, Son will be, oh, as Mikey's just said, I've just seen mm-hmm. that. I don't see Son's saying this year. If that happens, you're right. If Son looks and sees Kane and Gareth Bale gone, he's going to be good. Regulon is on. Is he loan or is he permanent? I'm not 100 I think sure. they signed him. I think they signed him and Bale was loan, wasn't it? Was it like 25 yeah. million for Regulon? Yeah. yeah, I think Tottenham just need to rebuild. Daniel Levy has the money to oh, rebuild, I... but they yeah. need to put the effort in get a good manager, get somebody to build a squad. You've got solid players in Hoiberg, Harry Winks, Davidson Sanchez. You know, they're fine players. Yeah. yeah. But Spurs are just a bit average, aren't they? They're, yeah, they're, they're the guilty singers in the Premier League. They're, they're <laughs> extremely mediocre. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, look, they have their days, and I think Tuesday will be gutted that they even got seventh, probably, because, like, you know, he'll be like, oh, you know, they let go of me, and they still manage just about to do it. Um, I mean, it's kind of a meme going into the Europa Conference League, you know, because what the thing is, it's actually a lose-lose situation for Spurs, right? Because if they do, so let's say they do keep Kane and then keep their main squad, right? And uh, he and they go into the Europa League or Europa Conference League. Sorry, it's a lose-lose because a they're in like the you know like the Irish League of 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 Europe, but then also if they don't win it with that squad, that will be embarrassing because like there yep. won't be that many, there won't be any really great teams in that competition. So like. There's it's it's lose lose if if Kane stays for Spurs it's lose lose if he leaves and other players leave they'll be like well we're not the same squad we're not the same team you know this is some players first experience of Europe blah 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 even them though Spurs is a big name they're one of the Super League six remember they're going into the Europa Irish League and uh, you know that's just a difficult situation for them uh, and then if, you know if Kane, if Kane leaves. Who do they sign? You know, let's say hypothetically, <laughs> hypothetically, you've got 150 million. Yeah. You've got some players sticking about, obviously. You'll have Lloris, probably will stay. Yeah. You'll have Matt Doherty, Davidson Sanchez, and maybe Eric Dyer with Sergio Regulon at the back. You've got Hoiberg, Harry Winks, maybe Deli Alley. You've got Bergwijn. You've got Lamella. You've got Carlos Vinicius. That sounds yep. like a buying average team altogether. I think Vinicius but was on loan. If so Vinicius is on loan, then they've got um, Troy Parrott, their young Irish striker, to come in with mob potential. Who do they sign? Because you can't sign 12 players. Who wants? The first question is, who would want to sign for Spurs? This is, what I, this is where I think it's going to be interesting because how many people realistically that are already in a mid-tier Premier League club are going to look to Spurs, unless they get offered a lot of money, of course. But let's say they don't. Let's say they get offered something similar to what's in their contract right now. Who's really going to look at Spurs and go, yeah, that's a lucrative deal. Oh, they're, they're, a great, they've got, they're an ambitious club who are going to do well in Europe. The answer is they won't, realistically. If they're in this rebuild phase, I don't know. Like, who like who goes to Arsenal? Like, or Sorry, not Arsenal, Spurs. Like, jump. we were talking about from West Brom, what you might call him. Is it Pereira's deal? Pereira. Is? Yeah. Like, is he someone that would maybe go to Spurs? Because, like, he's a decent player, uh, had to essentially carry West Brom this season single-handedly because the rest of them were kind of a championship-level squad. Maybe someone like him could go. Maybe an Adam Lookman. You know, players like that who are kind of young, up-and-comers who have played in the Premier League before where, really, they could... A couple of years' experience in the Premier League could try and bring Spurs back up to that level. That's kind of my idea. I think you're on to something here, actually. If they were to try and rebuild, there's a couple of players from the relegated teams that wouldn't be bad at all. Um, Josh brings in a really good point here in that they have great infrastructure. and At the moment, they don't have an awful lot of money to splash their business heads in the club. You're right. They have a great stadium that attracts people more than you know playing for Wolves or playing for... Uh, Newcastle, no offence. Um, no, they've fair. got fair. a bit more about them, mm. and you know they have been in a Champions League final within the last three years, which is pretty big. 
But I think the likes of him, Matthias Pereira, if you can get him for relatively cheap to come in and fill a Deli Alley hole, mm-hmm. you if you can somehow keep Son and Bergwijn either side of him, that's actually pretty good as, yeah, as three so bad, behind so the striker. You need to buy a striker though, and getting one of those is not easy. If I'm them, I'm looking at Ivan Ivan Tony, you know, from yep, Brentford. Yep, yep. Somebody like that could be a really good shot to get in. Or I oh yeah, I don't even know who else. Um, I think he would be a decent shot, actually, if Brentford don't go up. If Brentford do go up, I can't see him really leaving. No, he'll stay at Brentford. Um, he'll stay at Brentford. And other than that, you look at maybe Sheffield United, you think Sander Berger could come in and play alongside mm. Hoiberg and actually do a pretty good job. Um, at Fulham, the only person I look at at Fulham and think could have a potential at Tottenham is not even a Fulham player, and it's Ruben Loftus-Cheek could potentially... Yeah. Do a job if he's wanting to leave Chelsea because he's probably not going to get game time, especially in the system that Tuchel plays. doesn't really have a role for him. He could probably come into Tottenham and actually do a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, so they do need to rebuild. Look for some young centre-backs or some decent enough centre-backs, Premier League-proven centre-backs. They're not they're not easy to come by. But if if I could, you know, you'd inquire about Nathan Ake. Yeah, from, he didn't really feature this that much this season. You'd inquire about him. You'd check. You'd see the availability. You'd check in with a few other teams and try and figure maybe a Michael Keane or a yeah, yeah, yeah. Holgate or Holgate or even a Yerry Mina. I think Yerry Mina could do a job alongside Davison Sanchez. That'd be a pretty lethal in terms of heading the ball back to always tactically aware, but um, not bad at all. But yeah, that's Tottenham. Enough about Tottenham though. They were they were okay today. They finished seventh. Well done. Europa Conference League. You finished above Arsenal. Good job, Tottenham. It's like a trophy. Um, but the final game that we watched alongside those two games that decided the top four race was probably the most comfortable game of the oh, day. Oh, by a mile, by a mile. Oh I yeah. Apart from one opportunity near the start of the game, which Andros Townsend should have scored. Should have scored. <laughs> although Allison did well to close the space, but he really should yeah. be scoring that. He really should be scoring that. He should that. be. If he puts any height on that ball and slightly yep. puts it around him, do you know that's in? Yeah. Uh, it's a relatively easy finish. He could have probably even taken his time because it was only Reese Williams that was coming after him. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not that scary. Um, but Liverpool came off with a 2 0 victory against Crystal Palace and Roy Hodgson's final game. Before we chat about the game, Roy Hodgson. Thank you. Is he going to retire? Probably. Surely he's, he's like 73 or something, isn't he? Yeah, no. He's, okay, he's, really good. Good. he's done well, Crystal Palace. He has done well. I think he deserves some credit there of taking a team with a lot of average players mm. and making them consistent enough to stay in the Premier yeah. League. So, Roy Hodgson, thank you so much. You've, you've done well there. But, Joe, we probably paid the most attention to this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, from the three of them, probably watched it the most. We had the commentary for this one on. Mm-hmm. rather than the other two. What were your thoughts? And was there a player that stood out as your man of the match? Uh, I think, for me, this is one of the most commanding Liverpool performances I've seen in, in a while in terms of kind of uh, possession of the ball. Um, I mean, Palace, apart from that one chance, like in the second half, were non-existent. Um Liverpool, Liverpool played some really good football today as well. I, I, I really thought that was... We were seeing glimpses of the Liverpool of last season with some of their 
play. Their second goal, despite the fact that it was a horrendous finish from uh, Mane, was like last season Liverpool. They played some great football. Um, I'm not really sure what the commentator talking about Salah being unselfish because he still was doing his same stuff. But overall, great performance from Liverpool. Um, bit more lively. We we talked about in person when we when we were watching the game about kind of how they maybe look a bit stale at times, and that links nicely with Josh's question. He says, um, "What do you, what do we think that Liverpool need the transfer market?" We actually did talk about that this afternoon. We were together watching the game, and it's so hard to know because we we were just saying the side maybe looks a bit stale. Um, obviously, it's going to freshen up maybe with Van Dijk and Gomez coming back, but like. Do you need to bring in a new attacker or uh like there isn't much you would change about liverpool maybe a better bench better squad players like i look at some of the bench players like they signed that guy sexy mass or whatever his name was like what weird signing melamino was a weird signing your man from preston was a weird signing Do you know, like they've made some strange decisions for the bench yeah liverpool that's classic their transfer Policies mm. of this last wee while though is that they don't, they're kind of doing a city, they don't sign necessarily massive players in the world of football. And Klopp turns them into a decent player. And I think their first team obviously is exceptional, yeah, it's really, it's really, really good and will challenge and is very, very solid. But outside of that, maybe there is a bit of, um, you know, yeah, a lacking of depth. But then you look. Midfield-wise, they don't really need any central midfielders. Nope. Yes, Wijnaldum's probably leaving. But you bring Henderson back into midfield alongside Fabinho and Thiago, that's very good. It's a very yep. good midfield with balance, with variety. And as backups, you've got Curtis Jones, The Ox, and you know 90-year-old James Milner. Those Possibly three... one of the best midfields in the Premier League, that, when you, when you yeah, think like central midfielders. In terms of depth, in terms of that, with central midfield, really good. So they don't really need a central midfielder. Mm-hmm. Attack-wise, their front three are good. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, Diogo John is great as well. Yep. So there's one backup. Origi needs to go. He had yep. good moments. He scored Champions League goals. You know, he's an important player in the club's history. But he's not good enough to play in the Premier League. He's not good enough to play regularly. Jordan Shakiri, I personally think, you know, not just from a Stoke bias point, is unbelievable. Like, he's so good, technically. He just doesn't seem to sit, suit this system. So he should probably go to... Minamino, I think, will do well eventually. Mm-hmm. But he just needs a bit more time. So if I was them, I'd be looking to improve the attack a little bit. Maybe I think bring a striker. In, yeah, a striker. Bring in an actual number nine. Somebody yeah. who's going to play, like... A poacher, effectively, somebody who's going to be able to put the ball in the back of the net. Today, we saw Liverpool with 19 shots, only five on target again. Mm-hmm. Like, 14 shots off target? Guys, come on. Like, it doesn't change with Liverpool. No. They just keep missing the net. So somebody who can just consistently... Do you know what? Glenn Murray would score goals in this Liverpool team. He's rubbish, but he's a, he's a goal scorer. Mm-hmm. Somebody like that. Obviously not Glenn Murray, because I'm pretty sure he's retired. But somebody like that who will score goals could be decent. But then Firmino does so much of the build-up play. Um, other than that, you probably need a backup right back. Yeah. Neko Williams. Neko Williams is all right. 
And if Trent stays fit, it's great. But we saw that this season with Liverpool in that when their main centre-backs get injured, panic. Yeah. Big panic. Like, they don't have good enough backup. They don't have good enough they backup. Do, they don't. And if, in hypothetical situation, if Van Dijk and Gomez got injured, yes. Matip is so injury-prone, he should probably go. Get in a couple of replacements. Um, but if, if Robertson had got injured and Trent had got injured this season, their back four would have been so bad. Like I'm so, so, I'm, bad. so apparently they're not signing Kabak, which I find mental because I actually think he'd be a great player to have on your bench. He's already played for Liverpool. He was pretty solid when he played for them as well. Um, Josh just mentioned there about Mbappe. If that does happen, and I'm, I, it, it is a possibility. That will be that would be interesting to see how he does in the Premier League. But also, if he plays as well as uh, he has done for PSG, then it would set Liverpool apart. There's no point denying that. Um, Josh says that Quebec wasn't great. He turned like a ship. I think his stats are pretty good. I would need to properly look into it, but like for the games he's played in, Josh, I actually think uh, his stats are good. I think he'd be a good backup to have. Um, just on Roy Hodgson, very quickly, Mikey was saying there that Roy made Palace a decent outfit, um, but feels that they're in serious trouble now, though. And I think the question I asked, we're in a group chat of, of a couple of guys in the Fantasy Premier League, and I kind of was like, who's going to manage Crystal Palace next season? Like, who is there? There's there's four or five clubs in the Premier League now. Well, wait, Spurs need a new manager, Wolves need a new manager, and Palace need a new manager. So there's three clubs there that need a new manager coming into next season. Um, and I couldn't tell you who would take the job with any with any of the three of them, to be honest. So that'll be interesting to see this summer. Um, I think Roy kind of maybe was the glue in that Palace team, and he had a good brain for football and and did a good job. So. We could see Palace go down next season because they might lose Zaha. You know, it's it's a very real pop possibility, you know. Yeah, um, if they lose Zaha, it's a big loss. Yeah. Benteke's looked really good mm-hmm. um, in the last few while. He, he's good to have. Batshuayi being a body solid. And Eze, but Eze looks like he's going to be injured for a while, which is a big yeah. mess as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Liverpool need to do bits. They need to, they need to make some signings. They probably do need to spend a bit of money. To get back up and, and get some squad depth. Um but I guess we'll just see. And ultimately they won 2-0. Two, two goals. My look sure man of the match um is Sadio Mane. Best game he's played in a long time. Like a long oh, yeah, time. He looked, like, he looked like a different player today. I don't know if it's the fans or what is it. Do you think being a crowd there is like is Mane the type of player who thrives off crowd noise? Quite possibly. Could be. Could be. He could be. But I guess we'll see how he does next season. But obviously, he's a quality player. Just maybe went through a rough patch. Um, Mikey put in the chat, actually, there. Um, I think Palace have 11 players out of contract this summer. Going to be a huge summer for them in serious trouble. You know what? I've seen that, actually. Um, Mm. They have a lot of players out of contract and some decent enough players as well. I think now is a chance for them to try and get rid of old players. You know, you can't be starting a Premier League game with James Tompkins and Gary Cahill as centre-backs <laughs> under anyone other than either Big Sam or Roy Hodgson. And mm. so they need to try and get in a few players, maybe like search the lower leagues. Take a Nat Phillips off Liverpool, if you could. If you could yeah. take a loan for Nat Phillips for next season, whenever you know Van Dijk and Gomez are back, if you could get Nat Phillips in alongside somebody who's a bit more experienced, Probably not Gary Cahill because he's like ninety, but somebody who knows what they're doing. It could be 
could be decent. Patrick Van Anholt is great, although he could go in the yep. summer. Um, and yeah, hopefully Palace do all right. They've got some decent players, really like Kuyate, really like uh, Riedewald. Phillips is staying put, but like on loan, I think they'd be happy to let him go on a loan. He's a cult hero now, in a way. Josh <laughs> yeah, is saying, yeah. you're right, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. he's not going to get a single minute when Van Dijk, Gomez and Matip are back. Really. I, I said to you today, look, that I think Matt Phillips would do well at a, a lower Premier League club yeah. um, for a season. Uh, I would I would 100% take him at Newcastle. I really would, because we play a lot of hoofball, a lot of headers, uh, and he's very strong on the, under the headers, so... Uh, I think I think a, a, a season on loan or even leaving Liverpool. I don't. I I absolutely agree with Josh that he's done. He's put on a shift this season for Liverpool. He really has. And fair play to him. He's been what he's been asked to do this season is nothing short of monumental. Uh, and and re- replacing you know Van Dijk. Uh, you know that's no one's ever been able to do that. So you know he deserves a lot of praise in my opinion. But I do think for next season, it'll, it'll be it'll be really difficult for him to have spent the season time with Liverpool to then spend the whole of next season only maybe playing four or five games. And I think maybe it would be a good idea for his career, where if he is going to become a top top centre back in the future when he reaches his prime, I do think a couple of seasons at a lower Premier League club, maybe even a Wolves, something like that. Someone who's who've got a team who I, I phrase it as. A team who've got mid-table aspirations, I yeah. think, would be a perfect club for Nat Phillips to go to. Yeah, because you look at Curtis Jones as well at Liverpool right now. Yeah. And Curtis Jones is a good player, but this season has been pretty average. Yeah. He's young. He's really young. But he hasn't he hasn't got much game time, even though there's been a lot of injuries. And when he has played, he hasn't looked great. And I wonder if Curtis Jones could do with a loan as well, but it seems that they're not going that way. And if they go out with Phillips, I wonder, will that harm him? Josh says there, Phillips will get a lot of game time. I couldn't disagree more. I I just really don't think he will. Like, there's a reason that he was sixth choice before the injuries. Mm. You know? There's a reason he was not a first-team player, really. He's he's fine, and he's done well, but there's a massive difference between him and Van Dijk. He's probably promoted himself to fourth choice centre back at Liverpool now, um, yeah. and so maybe they might want to keep him as Josh said. Therefore, maybe the least less important Champions League games or the FA Cup or the League Cup, and I could see that as well. But I was thinking more from a personal development point of view for Phillips. I think it would be better if he went to a club where he would get Premier League football every week, week in, week out, starting centre back. Just I'm just thinking for his career. I think. I think he works well at Liverpool and he's shown that level of solidity, but I'm just thinking more from a, a point of, uh, you know, where his personal... Like, he might want to stay at Liverpool and that's fine, but I just felt more from a personal development yeah. point of view. He's young. Mark Schertz mentioned there, Lovren. Lovren was always kind of hanging on to the fact that he's not really good enough and was still yeah. getting game time. Whereas, and he wasn't he wasn't young in the same way that Nat Phillips is. So I think that's the main difference for me. Totally get that he might stay, and that's fine. But just in my opinion, I think the best move for him would be to go to a mid-table club. Yeah, Nat Phillips is twenty-four. He's not yeah. eighteen. He's not eighteen. If he was eighteen, I think he he should be okay to sell. Mm. But when you're twenty-four years old, you should be looking to play at least thirty games a season. Yeah, because you're you're coming into your prime in two years' time. So you know, Absolutely. 
Absolutely. He should be looking to be a starting centre-back wherever he goes. If he went to the Championship, he'd start every game for 46 games. I don't know if he wants to go there. That would toughen him up. I don't think he would, and I don't think he should either. No. But if he went to a lower Premier League team who needed him, he would start 38 games if he was fit to start 38 games. Hmm. And that would probably be better for his development of getting to play Premier League regularly, of getting to play... Like, because he's been a lot this season. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be used to that now. Mm-hmm. And so he's he's going to hate it, I think, when he goes back to being, you know, a part-time player. Van Dyke is nearly number one name on the team sheet when fit. Absolutely right there. Yep. There's solid competition there for the other spot. A loan spell would be a, uh, be great to try and prove himself uh, the following year, try and force out the other centre-back. The issue here, though, is he's got a younger better other center back like gomez is younger than phillips and is better already yeah and so as as gomez improves he's only going to get better not phillips can't pass a football like like he can't play passing football for a center back quite like van dyke and gomez can and so that's why i just don't see a future for him at liverpool as a starting center back because he doesn't play that well but i see him starting for crystal palace and playing that style of football you he know, could be I massively loved at a club. He could be a massive hero at a club, you know. Absolutely. You look you look at Ryan Shawcross at Stoke, okay? Left left United to come to Stoke, mm-hmm. played for us in in the Premier League, was our captain and is a cult hero, one of our greatest ever players in the Premier League, doesn't play passing football, was a hoofball type player, and that suited us down to the ground. He was mm-hmm. never gonna make it United. Why he had a, a successful career in the end is because he left and he joined a club that suited him. I think if Nat Phillips did the same, he could be a cult hero and be one of the greatest players that that club has ever had. And I think we wouldn't be having this conversation if we didn't have a pretty decent opinion of Nat Phillips as a player, right? If yeah. we thought he was a bit of a, you know, he was only playing because he had to, which was the case this season for him. But like, I would, if he wasn't as good as he is, I would be, I'd be saying, you should stay because you're not going to do as well. Whereas I do believe he's a Premier League centre-back, a Premier League level centre-back at any of the, like even a a Wolves, Palace, Newcastle, uh, maybe even Southampton, something like that. He can go back to Liverpool reserves um, at Southampton. But, uh, you know, I I just think that I I, I really respected the way he played this season. And I think for me personally, I think it'd be great to see him playing regular football where he's like, you know, and, he could develop into a captain of a club. You know, I feel yeah. like he's got that type of... Do you know what I mean? So I think that, that'll be interesting. That'll be interesting there's, to see. There's a reason we're not talking about Reese Williams right now. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I think that's exactly your point, is that we don't have a high view of Reese Williams at the yeah, moment. Really. He hasn't done it since he's come in, yeah. whereas Nat Phillips has and has played pretty well. You know, today, had a good game. Reese Williams missed a sitter. <laughs> um, and I just think, yeah, Nat Phillips is a bit more about him. But we might be proved wrong because I think uh, Reese Williams is a wee bit younger, isn't he? I think he is, yeah, yeah. I'll look it up Let's here. Let's have a quick wee look. He is 20, so he's got yeah. he's got four years still on, on Phillips there that he could become quite good. But that's the top four. That's that. It was decided mm-hmm. then. Chelsea lost, but managed to scrape in because Leicester also lost and capitulated towards the end. And Liverpool, wow. <laughs> Liverpool, who many people had written off, they were top at Christmas, dropped off, played terribly for a while, went down to eighth, but then managed to come back to third place in the Premier League in the end. Huge and achievement. That, Huge. A great achievement. A very yep. good achievement Huge. for them. 
I think mm -hmm. they should take that, take home, take it home, celebrate, be happy, regroup over summer, you know, try and get a few signings in and go for a title challenge next year yep. as they hope they would this season. Next season, there's no reason why they can't be going for Man City and trying to reclaim that crown. Yep, so true. And that leads us into the the other Europa League spot was taken by uh, West Ham, who, who you know, despite only having 30-something percent possession, I think, let me double-check that for you very quickly, 36% uh, possession uh, and less shots. They beat Southampton 3-0. Again, and this is another factor, I, I noticed they played at home. I said to you earlier on, Liverpool and Leicester play at home, Chelsea are playing away, do you think that's going to have a, an effect? In the end, it didn't really. But if had it been the way it was at halftime, at halftime it was looking like Leicester and Liverpool were going to go through and it was the fans that were carrying them again. Massive for West Ham to be playing their final game in front of fans. They weren't in the same jeopardy as they were previously because they'd won during midweek. Um, and they were playing, let's be honest, a very poor Southampton team who have had a, a horrific second half to the season. Um, yeah, could you imagine? Could you imagine Southampton this season without Danny Ings? <laughs> like, I know. Flip. They would be. They would be nowhere near as good as they they have been at times. Or James yeah. Ward Price. Love James Ward Price. Think he's a really good player. Does really well from dead ball situations. Has his best goal scoring season ever this season. Um, with a number of free kicks he's scoring, it's not surprising. Mm. But Southampton, yeah, just never really got out of the out of the blocks and just played a pretty poor game. Mikey was on the other day chatting through Michael Antonio, and today was one of those frustrating games from him. Mm. Um, West Ham weren't great, you're right, Mikey, um, but they did the business, and that's what is good. <laughs> you know, that's what's good for them. They got their European tour. Um, some decent enough performances. Thomas Suchek. One of the greatest signings West Ham oh. made in recent recent yeah. uh, seasons. He's been really good. And um, Jesse Lingard didn't have an unbelievable game, um, but other players did to make up for that. Cresswell mm. played well. Fabianski had a good game. I really like Kufal at right back, but he didn't didn't play that well. Um, but West Ham did the job. Got a three 0 win in the end, which is probably a little bit generous. As yeah, it you makes know, them look far better than they were. I think. It does. It really yeah. does. Um, but yeah, if I'm a Southampton fan, I would be frustrated at how badly they've fallen, how mm. quickly this season has gone to pot. You know, in their last 20 games, there's only a couple of victories, which isn't isn't good. Um, and I don't know where you go from a Southampton perspective, um, because if I'm a if I'm a, if I'm Tottenham, I'm looking at Danny Ings. That, there it is. That's who I'm looking at. If I'm Tottenham, I'm looking at Danny Ings to come in and lead the line and score a goal. Because he's very good. Danny Ings has been really good this season. Um, and the James Ward-Price, if I'm Tottenham, I wouldn't be surprised to see both of those players leave. Although I think James Ward-Price loves the club, so um, that is nice. Um, but yeah, yeah, an, an average game of football. Danny Ings is only 28. Yeah, exactly. Hmm, that might be a good sign for them. Yeah, I honestly, um, with with the games that we didn't see, I tried to quickly watch through the highlights. Highlights don't give you really a full indication of how the game was, so I'm not going to sit here and and you know take off the ratings uh, necessarily how people play because I think ratings flatter players who score. For example, Pablo Fornals was nine point seven, 
Mike here in the chat. I'm sure you can tell me right now that he was not. He didn't play a 9.7 out of 10 game. Um, obviously scored two goals, but you know I, I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, he was outstanding today. Um, because with with all the other games that were on, I didn't get a chance to catch any of the games. Just briefly saw highlights. Um, you know, overall, it looks to me based on ratings. I'm I'm going completely off ratings. It, Southampton played a very very average game. And West Ham seemed to play a better game, but we we know from Mikey that isn't actually true, you know, and that's what that's the whole thing about stats, and that's kind of why I set up the page in the first place was stats don't actually always tell you what happens, and I think it's really fascinating. You're almost getting a 15 minute case study here because when we go through the games, we're going to get impressions that that come from the stats, and I look at the stats, and to be fair, actually, I haven't dominated a lot of them, more possession, more shots at goal. Um, although West Ham managed more shots on target. But the big one for me, and this is quite interesting to me, is West Ham had four big chances in that game and scored from three of them, which is that's actually fantastic. Um Southampton yeah. had two big chances, missed both of them. Um and it just I think it sums up Southampton's season, really, you know. Since before Christmas, even since the Liverpool game, since the one just after Christmas, they won one nil, they've been very poor. Uh, and I've struggled, um, but yeah, but uh, Mikey says there they had more shots, but nothing that threatened bar one. Okay, well that's that's good yeah. to know. Um, yeah, but do like other than that in the Premier League today, there was not much happening. <laughs> nope. There was not there's not much going on. Arsenal won two 0 against Brighton. Yep. They tried their best to get Europa Conference League. I before the game <laughs> said, to you, "What did I say to you?" You said. Don't worry, they'll get their two goals after half time. Yeah, I Fair said enough. exactly that. I said, yep. don't worry, Arsenal are going to win 2 0. They'll score two goals in the second half and, yeah, get the victory. And that's exactly what they did. Arsenal are so predictable at times. It's predictably bad a lot of the times. <laughs> but in this game, I was like, no, they're going to win 2 0. They'll score two goals in the second half because Mikel Arteta doesn't know how to encourage players to play for a full 90 minutes. He knows how to tell them to play for 45 minutes. You know, they're like seven-year-old kids who play a 45-minute match rather than a 90-minute match. Mm. Um, and they got their win. Other than that, you know, we had Leeds getting a victory. A pretty solid win for them. Yep. Uh, 3-1 against West Brom. But again, a nothing match. We saw Man City smack Everton. Really poor from Everton. What's that's... happened there? I'm just going to look quickly at the stats. Let's just chat about this quickly because that's nuts. So part of me wonders where Man City putting on a show for their fans. Um, seventy <laughs> percent possession, twenty-one shots, eleven on target. That's the kind of rate you want to be looking at. Like Liverpool yeah. for getting a new striker, that's what you kind of want to be looking at. Um, seven corners, five big chances, only one of those missed. Um, hit the post once. Ninety-two uh, percent passing accuracy. Very, very good set of stats here from Man City. Um, yes. City played well, but they played full-strength team. Um, yep. All things considered, they were warming up for next Saturday to keep everybody yep. fit. I imagine the team that started uh, today would be largely similar to the team that will play, although I would imagine Gabriel Jesus might drop out and Bernardo yep. Silva might come in, uh, with De Bruyne maybe pushing a little bit further forward. But we saw an Everton team. 
Oh, an Everton team that started with Gilfie Sigurdsson and Tom Davies in midfield. Oh, oh, when you've got players at your club like James Rodriguez, you've got Andre Gomez, you've got Alan, you've got Decore, and you start Sigurdsson and Davies. Oh, it must be gutting to be an Everton fan. <laughs> really bad, really bad. Richardson and Calvert-Lewin had bad games. The defence had bad games. They didn't play with a right back today. Seamus mm-hmm. Coleman was on the bench. Holgate played right back, and it, yeah, the, the Holgates were wide open because they continued. <laughs> That's so bad. It was, so like bad. Holgate, you're right, really bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I would be frustrated by that oh, performance. Dear. Today. Uh, just before we answer my East question that's on screen right now, um, big shout out to Sergio Aguero, who scored his two goals that he needed to break the record for the most goals, most Premier League goals for one club. Obviously, Shearer holds a record overall, but he scored 183 Premier League goals for Newcastle. He, Aguero, has scored 184, so well done to him. Mikey asks, how would we rate Arteta? Do we think there's potential there for a decent manager? Looks, uh, many, many, many a time has said what he thinks about Arteta, and I would love to hear, hear you rant about it again. Oh. <laughs> Michael Arteta is tactically inept. He is useless. He, he reminds me of watching Stoke when we finished ninth in the Premier League three seasons in a row and then the season after got relegated because Mark Hughes genuinely couldn't do tactics. We, watching Stoke was like him saying, all right, folks, have a go. Give it a go. Because we had cracking players. We had Bojan, we had Arnautovic, we had Shakiri, we had Afalai. We had some really, really good players our team at Stoke. And it was like Marcus didn't have a clue how to put them together. He's like, I know they're all good. Technically, they're fantastic. Have a go. See what you can do. (laughs) And that's what it looks like Arteta. It's like he's putting a group of players out there. He's like, this guy's good. This guy's good on FIFA. This guy's got 20 finishing on Football Manager. Let's get all these players together. Let's get them out there and let's say, have a go. Mm. Arteta just doesn't seem to know tactics. And I'm oh, I'm so frustrated by him because I think Arsenal could have done so much. Arsenal could have got Europa League this season. Yep, I agree. But I will give him credit in that they have the best, second best form since Christmas mm-hmm. in the Premier League in terms of results. But it's almost because people just then wrote them off. Absolutely, Maggie says there in chat, go out there and have fun, lads. It's it's like that. And it's like you add your coach at the under 12s, and he's just like, right, lads, it's nil nil. Have a go. Go for it. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, Arteta frustrates me. And Joe, if you say anything otherwise, leave right now. It's he's he's the C Tech Guardiola. That's what that's what he tries to do. You know. His only experience was under one of the best coaches in the world, and therefore he clearly thinks highly of himself. He wasn't a great player. He wasn't, sorry, he wasn't the best of players. He was a, yeah. a Gilfie Sigurdsson type player, a wee bit better than that. He wasn't quite as mediocre, but you know what I mean? He, he wasn't like, I wouldn't put Arteta as any club legend, really. Yeah. And to be honest, I associate him more with Everton than I do Arsenal. But, Me too. Um, so. And obviously, you know, not all the best managers have been the best players, so that really is irrelevant. But I just wanted to make that clear, kind of. Um, but, <laughs> Thanks for pointing it out, Jim. Really helpful. Yeah, no yeah, helpful. I, just, I thought I thought everybody deserved to know, obviously. Um, and then, yeah. m- m- <laughs> like, he, he does look out of his depth at Arsenal, uh, and it's Arsenal are going through 
what United went through when they lost Alex Ferguson. You know, it's kind of the same thing. You know, they're, they're not having found their identity since Wenger left. And that's not, I don't mean that's a problem with having long-serving managers. Ideally, you want long-serving managers, you know, who are there for years and years and years and are successful on multiple occasions. But whenever you get serious to that one style of play and you know the manager inside out and the, the owners know the manager inside out, once you lose that, it's very, very difficult to find that same level. So, look, Arteta is, it's another Lampard. It's, an, you know, it's another one of those. It's, this is the era of young managers, really. That, that's that's what, this, what we're going through. You know, you've got Nagelsmann is going to be taking over Bayern Munich, right? You have Rooney's at Derby. Lampard's going to be looking for a club again, you know, and you know, so and Gerard's doing really well. Rangers, although I would argue that that's, you know, I think he's done a sensible thing. I think he's done a really, yeah. really sensible thing. Really sensible. He did a Brandon Rogers. He did a Brandon Brandon Rogers. Beautiful character. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's kind of where I see Arteta. Elsewhere in the Premier League, um, Newcastle won two 0 against Fulham. Joe Willock scored. For the seventh game in a row, so he equaled Alan Shearer's goal-scoring record for Newcastle. So they're like joint top in Newcastle for like consecutive games. He also has scored eight goals since he joined Newcastle, which is three more than any other Arsenal player has scored in the Premier League since he left, which is pretty nuts. And Newcastle actually Again, finished. Mikel Arteta tactically yeah. inept, but Newcastle actually finished twelfth this season, which you know is bizarre like we finished above wolves what um yeah mikey asked has jewel come must buy for me absolutely like a hundred percent because well he, tactically he, inept Arteta just said that he's coming back to the emirates and he's not leaving. yeah i know i know mm. but like but that's and that's the problem i think mikey i think and i said this the other night had he not been playing as well newcastle would have signed him anyway because he's a young midfielder with big potential i don't know i think arsenal never had any intentions of selling him I don't think that's changed. I think he was always planning on coming back because mm. I, I think they do rate him and they love a homegrown talent. Other than Alex, who will be who they happily shipped out. But I think, um, but I think he loves it in Newcastle. I genuinely think well, it loves it up there. Like, I think well, I just look at I look at Joe Willock and I see a player who loves football. Full stop. Mm. I see a player who just not get football. You know, would he not prefer to? Yeah. You know, but I think he he thinks he can. I think that's the yeah. thing. I think he backs himself. Especially now, he'll go back and be like, "Guys, I scored eight goals." <laughs> like, he looked, I'm, I'm he looked scored of his depth at Arsenal when he played. You know, he looked, he didn't look ready for that level, and Arsenal haven't been at the best level. But he never really real. had the chance. I don't think in enough enough run of games to actually play at the same time. It's a but weird ball. I think my point would be he's doing this at a club that a was not attack orient oriented. And B do not have great players, and he's doing this. And so, like development wise for him, even if he did leave and go back to Arsenal, the four months he's been at Newcastle have probably been far better for his career than like anyone would have thought. Uh, I think. Yeah. I think overall, we've been saved by the last ten games. Uh, I look. I went and looked back. So if we take the three 0 loss of Brighton, was that was ten games ago? That looked like we looked like we were going to get relegated. Since then, we've lost twice. That was to City and Arsenal. We drew with Liverpool um, and Spurs, and then we won the rest. And we went from our two wins, our last, two, our last two wins, have put us from 17th to 12th, and that's doubled our prize money. So from 8.5 million to 17 million, which is good in terms of maybe looking to sign in players. 
there is a belief in the fan base that the takeover could happen this summer. I, I I'm you know pessimistic about that. I'm not really sure that's going to happen. But for me, I we're too quick to give out criticism. I'm not quick enough to give out praise. And I do think that Steve Bruce and the coaching team deserve praise for this last ten games. They've decided to completely change it up. They've played the same formation, but they've played more attacking. And it's made a massive, massive difference. The results that we've got have been fantastic. The wins, you know, we were losing to teams like Fulham and Sheffield United before, so even beating them is a big thing. But then to go and beat West Ham, not to rub that in your face, Mikey, but to win that game, um, to draw with Spurs, to draw with Liverpool, you know, there's there's a level there that we find in those last 10 games that really deserves a level of praise. So I think that's deserved. I was, you know, I didn't watch the game today because there was nothing attached to it at all. But I was delighted to see that we finished 12th. I was like, that's a really great season. Well done. 45 points, you know, respectable. I think that's more than we got last season as well. So fair play. I just want to briefly talk about really how bad the relegation teams actually have ended up being compared to the rest of the league. 18th place, Fulham, finished on... 28 points so 29 points is all you needed to step this season what do you think about that yeah really poor but i'm not surprised it's the same with the championship currently and who's going up because we see two teams who got relegated last season coming straight back up and one more will not be that case but it's because there hasn't been a lot of transfers Mm. a lot of signings haven't taken place and so the teams who went down didn't sell a lot and so have premier league squad depth and so we're able to bounce straight back up i think it's the same case with these three teams in that they just haven't been great in terms of two of them leeds did really well and sheffield united just had an average squad that was united like team team unity kept them together and but yeah hopefully people have enjoyed that three minute rant on newcastle Uh, i'm sure they have other than that today Wolves lost to United, really poor from Wolves. United played a second team, and that's really the football for today. Joe, I'm not gonna lie, I am busting to go to the bathroom, so I think now would be a really great time for us to wrap up the show. There we go, there's there's a dialogue of football chat, and I really need to pee. Well, I just want to quickly say that United are the fourth team to go a whole season unbeaten away from home. Just want to quickly mention that. Um, only the third, only the third club because Arsenal done it twice, but the the other club is Preston in the eighteen hundreds. So there you, go. There you um, go. Look, a pleasure. I hope you have a nice pee. Um, I really will. I'm not gonna lie. It's been a good twenty minutes since I needed to pee, so I will enjoy. But you, thank you as always. It's been a pleasure. Check us out on podcast providers. Get yep. the bonus extra content. Today we answered a lovely question from a fan. So feel free to check that out on the intro on the podcast. Guys, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening. Joe, we'll see you on Wednesday, straight after the league final. See you guys. Thank you so much for all your messages. Bye. So there you have it, guys. That is our show. The final day of the Premier League season. Uh, it, like, it was it was crazy because the, the top four changed so much in, in those 90 minutes because it's just the way results were going, the way the goals were going in. Um, it was a really, really great... 
entertaining final day. I think uh, one of the main shames was it wasn't a relegation race. Um, but yeah, loved it. Um, we don't have to look ahead to the European finals. Will we give our predictions for those now? Absolutely. Because it's... Uh, it, it's the Europe, certainly the Europa League final kind of creeps up on you and slaps you in the face so you even realise it's going to happen, you know? So one of those yeah. ones. It's because nobody really wants it to happen. No one really cares. Uh, so the game on Wednesday is United versus Villarreal. Um, uh, I mean, surely there's only one result here, right? Surely, surely it's going to be a United win. I mean, that's An eight-seven victory for Villarreal. Is that what you mean, uh, you? A one-nil United win after extra time probably is what we're going to see. Oh, I hope not. I'd love to see a three-one United. I'd love to see that. Don't want Villarreal to win it. You know my thoughts on Villarreal. Most yep. average team to have ever played football. Um, I think, yeah, United will come through. Probably they've got a good enough squad. They were able to rest basically their entire team today. Mm. So I think that has really helped them. Um, so they should pull through. I can't really see any other result, but you never know. Surprise could happen. It could be a very good evening for uh, Villarreal. We'll just have to wait Shocking. and see. Yeah. <laughs> um, Champions League final on Saturday, um, an all Premier League affair between Manchester City and Chelsea, and I genuinely have no clue. I have, I have no Four idea. Four yeah, Frag off. Frag off. There's here, no bro. way. There's no way. It's. I think Chelsea it's going to be really tight. Recently. Yeah, but I think it's going to be really tight. We'll see. Remember, Guardiola's never beaten Tuchel in the so Man City Chelsea rivalry. Um, See, in my head, I can see Chelsea winning. But yeah. at the same time, I think there's surely no way that Man City don't win. So this is where I'm like really confused. And you can't, and unfortunately, we're not in a position to say a draw is a prediction. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Well, see, Joe, in my head, I see you all over me. In my head, you fulfill my fantasy. <laughs> um, but. <laughs> I, I just I think Man City have got it surely I think I just I can't look past this Pep Guardiola team like today they absolutely smacked Everton as a good warm-up mm. whereas Chelsea lost to Villa and lost to Arsenal just a couple of weeks or just last week like mm. Chelsea have showed their flaws and lost against Leicester in a cup final um, I think nerves maybe or something come into Chelsea um, maybe but yeah I think I'm, I'm going to go for City but It'll be a good week as we have a European final and then another one. But other than that, Joseph, any fun plans? I have another exam on Tuesday. Yay. Yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah. Uh, I have that. I'm going to... We are going to be moving our streams to a different software. So we're hoping to make it a lot more personalized. So I'm going to be trying to sort out that on Wednesday. Um, make it look a bit more professional, more branded. Because um, we are always looking to improve the, the live kind of form content. And hopefully one day we'll be able to do these shows together, you know, in person together, kind of. So that will be nice as well. But uh, apart from that, nothing really. What about yourself? Yes, and on that, we're looking for applications for new hosts to replace Joe. So anyone can just... You know, hit me up. If you want to take over with Joe, feel free. Oh. But um, 
No, my week's pretty chill. I think I've got a few meetings and stuff in the evenings, which are a bit rubbish. Kind of extend my work almost into the evenings, which is sad. But just mm. try and make the most of my time and see people do what I can. Nothing really concrete. I think I'm maybe going to Cumber on Thursday for for work, which is fine. That's a highlight of my week. But yeah, not much happening. Pretty chill. But I look forward to watching some football. Lovely. Sounds good. Well, before we go, I just want to quickly mention mailbag questions. Um, we've nearly finished the batch that we have. So if you want to send an email to statojoezero at gmail.com with your questions, that will be great. You can message me on Facebook, the Statojoe page. You can message Statojoe page on Facebook. Send me questions there. Um, tweet me. Send me questions because you guys can really uh, get involved in the show and uh, kind of be a part of our intro section. So if you want to get involved with that, email or Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, just get in touch with me and, and ask your questions and we'll sit and answer them for five minutes. So that's really the only plug I have, to be honest. So that would be a delight. Sorted. Feel free, send them to me, send them on my Twitter, send them. Do, uh, I've said it before, feel free to slide into my DMs, chat <laughs> to me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah. send us questions that we can answer and make this podcast even better than it already is. Five star on Apple Podcasts. Five star on Apple Podcasts. We do have. We are uh, We are a five star podcast on Apple Podcasts, just based on the ratings. Um, yeah. But yeah, thank you so much for all your involvement. Um, if you really want to help us out more, you can just share it out to your friends and try and get a new, as we try to grow our audience here on, on Apple and Spotify and Google. So that would really help us out. But apart from that, we will see you on Wednesday night or it will be Thursday morning for you guys by the time the podcast comes out where we'll be talking all about the Europa League final. Well, we say it might not be a long one. It could be a quick five-minute podcast. Just like it happened. There was yeah. some possession. That could be it. It really could be. Could be. Um, but anyway, apart from that, have you a good week, guys. Me. Yeah, yes. have a good week. Stay safe. All that good stuff. And... Uh, we will see you on Thursday. Goodbye. See you then. Bye.